Amen. Thank you. That's an Izzy original. Thank you, Izzy. So good to have you home. Carolyn, come up here. The guys, let's welcome Carolyn Hammond and her amazing husband, Pete. These guys have been dear friends with Sally and I for many, many years now. A long time. We traveled to Guatemala together. We have chased God to a number of places together. So these guys are amazing. So these are, uh, again, dear friends. They run the Racine, Wisconsin prayer room. And it's really a prophetic community. It's one of the most amazing tribes in North America. I'm just going to brag on them for a minute. And um, a few things I love about these guys. Well, first of all, they, we uh, share dear friends, Steve, Stephen and Renee Springer, who were here with us last year. And Steve and Renee um, run Global Presence, and it's an, really an apostolic community. And so they cover these guys. And um, so we absolutely love those guys as well. So um, we share that in common. Uh, but what is so cool about these guys, first of all, they own four Culver's restaurants. So that has to make them super, super cool. And, um, and about ready to go for number five here, Grace. So I, why not five? You got four Culver's, why not make it five? Amazing. So, um, but their, their prayer community meets at their house, they built like the hugest prayer room above. They've got a huge house anyway. We've got a big three-car garage. And so they just moved. They wanted, like they, these guys are Obed-Edoms. Like they wanted the ark parked at their house and they never wanted it to move again. And so they built the prayer room right above their garage. And this thing is ginormous. It's got an elevator in it. I mean, I'm not kidding. It's like one of my little favorite uh Bethany's in the world. It's so amazing. But so rumor has it that Robbie Atwood is coming in October to your prayer room, which means the Adams are coming in October to your prayer room. There's no way Robbie's house and your guy's house is coming together and we're not going to be there to have fun. So anyway, but let's just stretch forth our hands to these guys and just pray for them. Bless them. Uh, Carolyn has, uh, man, has she brought the word of the Lord the last three years to this region in such a powerful way. I mean, I hear people talking about messages Carolyn gave from three years ago, two years ago, last year. We're still unwrapping last year's, and it has been profound, and the Lord has been speaking to her already. So, Lord, we receive Carolyn as a voice into our region Lord, we need what she has tonight. And so I pray let all of heaven come into this room to aid us in the hearing of the word of the Lord. Lord, we need other cities to speak into our city. We need other apostolic communities to speak into this apostolic community. Lord, you've been... So speaking to me lately about there's blind spots that we get so familiar about that we can't see. And even that's true of cities and regions. And so we need friends from other regions who carry the prophetic and the apostolic to come speak what I or another leader who lives here might not be able to say or even see. So I open my heart to receive. Oh. Mm. 
I just pray an increase, Holy Spirit. No. I just pray an increase all across this room. The weighty, weighty glory of the Father in this room. More of the weight of the glory of Father in this room. Whoa. Amen. Oh, it didn't lift off me, thank goodness. Wow, 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 wow. It's so good what he's doing this year. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. I just want to brag on my husband. I love him so much. Um, he's amazing, yeah, yeah. So he's going to actually turn 70 this year. And so he's going to build another Culver's. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> no retirement for him, but he is truly amazing. He and his brothers um, have a beautiful partnership. And Pete is so anointed in the marketplace. He is so anointed in, in the business. Um, he, uh, he takes the employees a um, couple days a week and uh, just, it, it's voluntary, but they go in the dining room uh, right before the restaurant opens, and they have a prayer circle. And these are employees that don't know Jesus yet, but they know the presence. They're getting to know the presence, and, and they're addicted to this prayer circle. Um, oh, before they believe they're, they're at the table. Yeah, yeah. So we're about, to, um, we're about to start a house church at Culver's for the employees. We're just going to, after closing at 11 at night, we're just going to start a house church. Culver's house is going to be awesome. So, but yeah, so my husband is just um, amazing out there. He, he's just seen so many signs and wonders, healings, inner healings, addictions broken with the employees and with customers. He's amazing. And, um, you know, he just runs uh, full force in the kingdom at the marketplace. And then he is my biggest cheerleader. And I'm in the, the church. You know, my, my anointing's in the, in the prayer room. And, um, you know, I, I'm not much out there, but he's, he's the wild man out there. But um, he really, it's a funny team to have, you know, the woman be the pastor, you know, and it, it's just funny, but it, it works. So we're weird and we embrace weirdness. Weirdness is super anointed on our, on our radar, 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 radar. Okay. So I really hope I can do this. Jesus help me. I've been just wrecked since that first session, Marvin. Um, so um, I, I just, what Marvin um, broke open Friday night is really serious. It's so weighty. It's just everything. And um, it, the, so uh, not last year, but the year before, the first year, the Lord gave me that, that word, the presence is the key to everything. That, that wasn't a word we brought. That's our whole prayer room. That is our whole foundation in our prayer room. The presence is the key to everything. But the second time I came, he had been dealing with us about the unveiling of the bride and the dance of the unveiling. And we have done nothing but pursue that and even get more and more and more revelation. This unveiling thing is a big deal. 
And it's way bigger than I ever realized. And I think it's way bigger than we even realize. Um, and so Marvin, in his transparency, was talking about that unveiling, um, the whole thing with Mephibosheth. And yeah, so, um, you know, there, there is an unveiling. The, un the veil is that shroud of death. It's a, a veil of separation. And that's why the veil was rent when sacred blood hit the earthly realm from the cross. There was the ultimate unveiling. It was the destruction of the veil that separates us from that holy place of the glory realm, the tangible manifest presence of God. And sons and daughters have to get unveiled so that there's that thing, that thick fabric of that shroud of death, the fabric of it is shame and hiding and religious duty and fear, but it's, uh, it's shame. It's what it's made out of. And when that veil is rent, we're the temple. And when sacred blood touches us, when we have an encounter with the Holy Presence, that thing splits, and it, 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 the, the veil in a son and a daughter is between the soul and the spirit. The spirit is our, is our spirit is the holy of holies, and the fullness of glory is in there. But the shroud of death is in our soul realm, our mind, will, and emotions, where we've been wounded, where rejection, where the disfiguration of the curse has come, and our soul hasn't been fully healed, restored, or renewed. But bit by bit, the glory gets in our soul, and, and that soulish realm gets unveiled. And the fullness of the glory of the Holy of Holies starts coming out of you. And that's the resurrected, ascended life. When, our, when the glory that's in our spirit starts coming up into our soul because there's no barrier of shame. The glory of the resurrected Christ starts coming up out of you because the barrier of shame has been split open. That's the ascended life. There's a higher level of life. And a lot of Christians are not living it. We're staying in that soulless shame realm that is like a blanket of suffocation on us. We, we were recently in Glasgow um, prophetic center, Emma Starks, anybody? Emma, St oh my God, she's a wild woman. She really scares me, but I like it. Uh, we, we were praying and she said, there's like this fireproof blanket jacket on us and the fire that's in us can't get out. It's the death shroud, it's the veil, it's the, it's the shame curtain. And, and she said, Holy Spirit's going to come and take this jacket off. It's like a mantle. It's like a, a fireproof stuff. 
it's bad. It's ucky. It's, and it keeps the fire, the radiating splendor glory of Jesus shut up in our spirit. But it's time for that veil to get ripped. That fireproof jacket ripped off of us. And that glory of Jesus to start coming out of his sons and daughters. It's crazy. So this is not even my message tonight. I just, we got to, we got to so, like, listen to what Marvin said that first night, because it's really key. It's really, really, really key. Um, And it taught, in Isaiah 25, it says, the Lord Yahweh, commander of angel armies, is going to host a rich feast at a table on a mountain the mountain of Zion. It's not a literal mountain. That means in the presence. Zion, the mountain of Zion, is get in the realm. We're there right now. We're in the realm of his presence. And in that realm, there's the table. And he's going to serve plenty of meat. Sorry, veggies. A feast with plenty of meat and well-aged wine, an abundance of food, and on this mountain, in this realm, he will destroy the shroud that's wrapped around all the people. The veil that's been spread, the veil of death that's been spread over all the nations, it is the gloom of death. He will swallow it up in victory forever. And he will remove, he will wipe away every tear because he's going to remove every trace of shame. It's what he's doing. I came two years ago with the message of the unveiling of the bride. And it, it, but he's, he's doing it now. You're getting unveiled. You just get in the realm, and you just start feasting with him, and it destroys shame, and the brightness and the radiance of the resurrected Christ starts shooting out of you. When it says he will swallow that shroud up in victory forever, This word, swallow it up in victory forever, is, it's a Hebrew word. I don't, I can't say Hebrew. It's N-E-T-S-A-C-H, netzach, netzach. Let's just say it like that, whatever. But it means um, victory that lasts forever and ever. And it comes from a root word that means it starts glittering from far away. I'm telling you, you get unveiled, you get shame off you, people are gonna, you're gonna start to shine. You're gonna start radiating and glittering and people from a distance are gonna see the resurrected Christ. It says, you know what? Deep darkness covers the nations. But arise and shine because the glory's on you. And nations are going to come 
to the shining that's on you. I got to stop preaching. I'm going to get back into my message. Listen. Oh my God. It's not even my message, but it's what's happening. It's what's happening in the region. And you got to back Marvin and Sally in prayer because he went after that death shroud Friday night because that death shroud is coming off every son and every daughter in the region. That death shroud is coming off every son and every daughter in this region. Come on, this is the romance of Romans. His creation is waiting for your unveiling. Come on, that's how the land is going to get healed. We got to go after this shame veil. It, we got to shred it, rip it off. Okay, um, I need to get into this. Marvin um, asked us to um, meditate on the th prophetic theme. I love this so much. Um, room at the table, the Father's table. So. As soon as I clicked off your text about the presidents, <laughs> remember that, the presidents? presidents? Instead of, yes, the presidents. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I just, you know, I'm a Song of Songs girl. I love the Song of Solomon, Inside and Out. And I'm like, the table, I know where that is. That's in the song, chapter 1, verse 12. Um, that's where immediately I was reminded of the table in the song. And it says in Song of Songs 112, it says, while the king was at his table, my perfume gave forth its fragrance. In the Passion Translation, it says, as the king surrounded me, the sweet fragrance of my praise perfume awakened the night. <laughs> okay, so in the song... <laughs> Wait till we get to that. That's like so yummy. So in, in this song, the table is the cross. The table, the wooden table, is the revelation of the work of the cross. The king is bringing us. All weekend, he's been bringing us to the revelation of the cross. We sit at the cross, the revelation of the cross, and we feed on the ramifications of it. Come on. That's the choice. Yes. It, we're, at it, we're at a crossroads. It's the choice. Come to the table. <laughs> and we feed on this redemption. We feed on redemption at the table. There's a communion table. There's a banqueting table. There's a table in the midst of our enemies. He feeds us at a table. There's a table in the Zion realm where the death shroud comes off. But it's the promise of bridegroom Jesus that he is going to transform his bride, his beautiful covenant partner, through redemption. Now, said a different way, I like to say it like this. He is going to take what was a carnal nature and he's going to transform it into what is holy. He is going to take what was a carnal nature and he's going to radiate his glory holiness out of it. That's what he feeds us with, that process 
of transformation. That's what happens at the table. Oh, it's so good. Uh, so he says, come sit with me. Let my redemption have its work in you. Let the work of the cross reveal to you who you are and what is not you. There's stuff on us that came on us through hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. But free people, free people. <laughs> but there's stuff that got on us through the curse and through people that are wounded, broken people. And so there's stuff on us that was never meant to be part of our personality. And that's coming off. So at the table, he tells us who we are and who we are not. Let the work of the cross reveal it to you. Let me take those dark places, the wounded places, the disfigured parts, and let me redeem them. It's the work of redemption. So redeem means recover exchange. I'm going to get the restoration of this. So we take those places in us that are dark, wounded, broken. We sit at the table and he restores those places. He obtains their restoration. It's beautiful work. It's scary at times. It's painful at times. We often say back home in our prayer room that the deepest, darkest, scariest mission trip you'll ever go on is in here. Don't defend, don't hide, don't run. Go through it. Go through it. Because he's after the restoration of those wounded places in us. Your transfiguration into the glory awaits you at the table. You know, Jesus was transfigured. What happened during his transfiguration? He started shining. It's hard to find language in it. Even when you look at different translations, it was like he became this lightning like vibrating lightning. You know what? He got unveiled. They caught a glimpse of who Jesus is in the glory. This unveiled, resurrected king, that's who you are in him. That... Come on. When that veil of shame gets off of us, that radiating glory, his transfiguration is your transfiguration. Hey, you were co-buried with him. You were co-crucified with him. Why not be co-glorified with him? Why stop short at just dying to the flesh? Why not start getting up in resurrection glory? And co-living with him as he is now in the glory. Yes. 
This is the unveiling of sons and daughters. So that transfiguration into that glory, that happens at the table. When we see what Jesus and the Father did through the cross, when we sit at the table, our only response is praise and adoration. Let me read the verse again from 112. As the king surrounded me with the sweet fragrance of my praise perfume, I awakened the night. You come to the table, you get revelation on what the cross did. What is the fullness of the consequences, the ramifications of redemption for me, for you? I get unveiled in the glory. Every broken part in me gets full of glory and made right. And all I can do is praise. And we start worshiping him, and it awakens every dark place in us. It awakens. It brings an awakening. It brings a dawn. When you wake up, it's daytime. It turns night into day. We are dawn makers. We create dawn out of dark places. We create resurrection light glory out of night places in us. And then we do it for our city. We awaken every dark place in a region. We awaken every dark place in our family, in our lineage, in our heritage. We carry the glory. We unveil glory, and we awaken the night. That's what happens. One verse out of the Song of Songs about the table. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. Yeah. Every dark place in us gets an awakening. Every place in our soul, our mind, thought patterns, unhealthy thought patterns. Our emotions, frustration, anger, rejection, shame, not enough. All of these ongoing patterns, mm, 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 shame's coming off. Our soulish realm. Glories coming into those places. When we bring the message of the cross and all of its ramifications to cities, to nations, it will awaken the dark. Okay, so that's what I thought, that's where I went when I got the text about the table. And so then I said, okay, God, help me, help me. What's the peace that you want me to bring? to the conference. What do you want to say through me? And I sat with the Lord and I was expecting him to talk to me in his nice gentle way and this way that he, that me and daddy talk and me and Jesus talk and I went and he really surprised me because I was not ready for this, but I had this crazy encounter with Jesus. And this I don't always have these. This was very unusual. But I was sitting in my spot and asking the Lord about this conference, waiting before him, what do you want to say through me? What do you want me to bring? And all of a sudden, there was Jesus on the cross. Like I was caught up in this encounter. And he was on the cross looking at me, and he was, it was his broken, torn body. 
on the cross. But every place that there was wounding in his flesh, you know, his arms were bruised and torn, his side, his every place that he was broken and torn on the cross, this beautiful, fluffy, white bread was coming out of those places. If I could, I, if I wish I were an artist to try to draw what I could, what I saw, but this bread was coming out all over his body. Bread was coming out. And he said, eat my body. And I, I literally, I'm sitting there, I literally, it was so real to me that I reached up into the wounded places of Jesus and I took bread. And as soon as I took some out of his wounds, it just filled up again. Like, it just whooshed up again. What is that stuff that you told me it's like? What is that? It's that the stuff, the stuff, you know, when you got a crack in your foundation and you put that foamy stuff, in, it was like it just kept coming out. And it was just coming off of them. But it's coming out of his wounds, and it was bread, and I, I was pulling on it, and, and I was eating it. And, as, and the more I took, it just started multiplying, multiplying. And then he looked at me from the cross, and he said, now you give them something to eat. Yeah. Just like the disciples where they, he said, you give them something to eat. Exactly. And then he multiplied bread. So that was like really crazy. And so I started just thinking, what is it like to take of Jesus, to feed on him? And, oh, and then it's like, you know, there were all these baskets left over after they fed the multitude. So I began to say, what does it mean to eat his body? Because that's what he's serving at the table. So I've just been asking the Lord, what does it mean to eat Jesus? What does that mean? So I went to John chapter 6. And I just want to read this scripture to you. Let these truths from John chapter 6 just kind of hit us. So I'm going to start with verse 27. Jesus is talking to a huge crowd. And he says, Why would you strive for food that is perishable and not be passionate to seek the food of eternal life, which never spoils? I, the Son of Man, am ready to give you what matters most. Then uh, later on, they say, well, show us a miracle so we can see it. Then we'll believe in you. Moses took care of our ancestors. They were fed by the miracle of manna every day in the desert. The truth is, Jesus said, Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven. It's my father who offers bread. That comes as a dramatic sign from heaven. The bread of God is the one who came out of heaven. Jesus is the bread. To give his life to feed the world, 
Then please, sir, give us this bread every day, they replied. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Come every day to me, and you'll never be hungry. Believe in me, and you'll never be thirsty. Everyone my Father has given to me, they will come, and I'll embrace them, and I'll never turn them away. I have come out of heaven not for my own desires, but for the satisfaction of my Father who sent me. For the longing of my Father is that everyone who embraces the Son and believes in him will experience life, eternal life, life without the veil of shame. Uh, I speak to you, living truth. Unite your heart to me. Embrace me and believe, and you will experience eternal life because I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert and they died. But standing right here before you is the true bread that comes out of heaven. And when you eat this bread, you'll never die. I alone am this living bread that has come to you from heaven. Eat this bread and you'll live forever. The living bread that I give you is my body, which I will offer as a sacrifice so that all may live. Jesus replied to them, listen to this eternal tr truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you won't have life. Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood. Because my body is real food for your spirit. And my blood is real drink. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me, and I live in him. The Father of life sent me, and he is my life. In the same way, the one who feeds on me, I will become his life. What does it mean to eat his body? How do we do that? So I love this is a quote from Brian Simmons. It says, to eat his flesh is to take into our life by faith all that Jesus did for us by giving his body to us. To drink his blood is to take by faith all that the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. This eating and drinking is receiving the life of Jesus. It's receiving the power of Jesus. It's receiving the virtue of all that Jesus is, and it replaces everything that we used to be in Adam. Whoa, that sounds like an unveiling to me. We take in his presence. We take in who he actually is, his nature the virtue of Jesus, the life is in the blood. It's covenant. We're, we make this blood covenant. We drink 
the nature of Jesus, and it replaces our old nature. We're no longer the same. It's the whole metamorphosis of the caterpillar becoming that butterfly. That butterfly doesn't look anything at all like that caterpillar. It's completely different. That's how you are in Christ. You, you make covenant with Jesus, and you take by your spirit, by faith, his body, the nature of who he is, the fullness of who this resurrected man is. You take that in to your heart of hearts, into your nature, and it changes who you are. It replaces everything that was under the cursed life in Adam. So I'm going to just read a couple of, just listen to kind of what this means. This is so, sort of where I went with this whole John 6 thing. It's the substance of the resurrected Christ actually in me. I get included in his glory. I'm like in it, and it's in me. So the triune glory of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, you're mingled with it. It's wrapped around you. It's like a tea bag in water. You can't separate them after they've mingled and steeped together. It's all of God with all of you. That's eating his body. Death passed to all of us through Adam, right? But the very substance of God life passes into all of us who are in Christ. And it's not a one-time deal. Like it does happen at once, but then it continues because it's a matter of feasting. It's a matter of nourishing. It's a matter of being strengthened in this life, in this substance, this bread life of Christ. Jesus said in John 6, come to me every day. Unite your heart to me and feast on me. Get that fluffy white substance of his life. Pull a chunk every day. Continuous feeding on his life. Come to me every day and be filled with this glory, this substance of life, this life that comes out of the tree of life. The life that comes out of the tree of life, Jesus is the tree of life. He knows nothing of sin or the curse. It's a, it's a life that knows nothing of being disfigured or wounded from the curse. Who would you be if the curse had never affected you? This is supposed to be normal Christian life. This is what we come to the table every day to eat that kind of life. A, 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 a substance of life that is so pure and free 
from the curse. All it is is resurrected glory substance life. Jesus is called the last Adam in 1 Corinthians 15. He ended Adam's race and he began a new species of humans that are indwelt by a Holy Spirit. And they carry the life of Christ within them. To be in Adam is to be lost and merely human. But to be in Christ is to be wrapped into the anointed one as someone who carries the life of Christ within them. That's a footnote from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from Brian Simmons. A new race of humans. Jesus created a new race of humans. That's how dramatic this is. We're no longer just people trying to imitate godliness. We have godliness radiating out of us. We have the substance of this Christ life in us. So what hinders us from living like that? What hinders us from the, what hinders the life of Christ from flowing in us? Because we, there is a higher life available. There's a higher realm available. We, we say this in, a, in our prayer room amongst uh, us that are family, no more low-level living. No more. No more. No more low-level living. I'm not going to just live in the natural realm. Stuff happens in the natural realm. Our feelings get hurt. We get hit. We're not staying there. Going to have a resurrection. Going to get in that ascended life. Going to come up out of that death realm, that natural realm. I have to do it sometimes in traffic when I'm driving. I got to have a resurrection right there while I'm behind the wheel. Or usually when my husband's behind the wheel, but we won't go there. <laughs> There's so many things that hit our hearts in, in daily life. Needs, pressures, needs, ups and downs, hurts, disappointments, distractions, fear, worry, anxiety, disappointment, unmet expectations. In all of that, there's a higher life available right in that moment. Right in that moment. You can stay like a natural atom or you can act like the second species of humans that you are. Right in that moment. Meaningless things tempt to pull us away from him, to pull us out of the embrace, out of the union. Anger, frustration, unmet expectations, but just get at the table right in that moment. Just tuck in at the table and grab a chunk of bread of life. This is the call to true discipleship, normal discipleship, true Christianity, and intimacy. It's complete oneness with him. In that moment, 
when the veil of shame would like to separate you from him and pull you out. So, when, I, when we get hit, rejection, hurt, um, in that encounter that I had with Jesus... Something will happen, something will hit us, something will hurt, a rejection, whatever. And Jesus will say, yeah, right here. That's that tear where I took the wounding of rejection. Take some life that's coming out of that wound. Right here, this is where I took the pain of abortion. And I took all that shame and the pain and the anguish of making a mistake and having an abortion, how about you take some life that's coming out of there? This wound here is where I took the brutality and the anguish and the pain of addictions. Addicted to pornography, shame, yeah, it's right here. Here's the life that you can have in exchange for that. Come to the table every day. And eat of him. Eat his body. At the first communion, when Jesus was transitioning from old covenant to new covenant, and he was transitioning them from Passover to communion, he served the disciples the bread and the cup. He serves us his death, and he serves us his resurrection. This is our feast, and it is our constant supply of life. I love that. I love that. Feed me your resurrection glory. Feed me your resurrection glory. What does it mean to eat his body? What does it mean to eat his body? Here is a quote from the Spirit Life Bible Commentary. It says, I lay hold of all the benefits of Jesus Christ's full redemption for my life. I lay hold of forgiveness, wholeness, strength, Health, sufficiency. I get in union with that. I take it in. It's what it means to eat his body. Uh, Benny Johnson has a book out, The Power of Communion. Powerful little book that we've been reading. She says in her book, when she takes The Power of Communion, what does it mean to eat his body? We realign ourselves with Christ. We realign. So, okay, everything in me right now, get in order with who Christ is. My physical body, get in order with resurrection glory. I'm realigning myself with Christ, and I proclaim the reality of heaven over every area of our lives. I like that a lot. Proclaim the reality of heaven 
I started meditating on that, thinking about that. Proclaim the reality of heaven. Huh. So that would be like the life that the Father and the Son have together. The quality of that life, the substance of that life. They're never afraid. They're never worried. They're not hurt or wounded. They don't react. They don't have triggers <laughs> to rejection. They don't struggle with rejection. They don't struggle with self-criticalness or self-rejection or self-hatred. They are full of life, full of health, and full of strength. Proclaim the reality of heaven over yourself when you come daily to just take the bread that comes out of him. What is it like to have the life that Jesus has? Oh, I asked him that question. I just kept asking him that. What is it like to have the life that you have? Jesus, what is it like to have your personality flowing through me? What's it like to have the way you respond flow through me? What is it like to have the glorified Christ, the resurrected Christ in me. And the Lord showed me this. This, this rocked my world. <laughs> okay. So I don't know if it's going to hit you like it hit me, but it really hit me. Okay. So the father was showing me, look at my son. He took billions and billions of sins into himself. Think about that. He took Billions of sins into himself. The weight of the whole curse was put on him. The cursed self-life of Adam was put into him. And he came up fully alive out of that. He came up, resurrected, up, out of all of that. Up, up, out of the ashes. He came up. That, what is that force of life that's stronger than the weight of all of those sins, than the weight of all of that curse? What kind of life substance is that? I don't know, but it's in your spirit. It's actually in you. And this is what he feeds us on, that life. He's the bread of life, that kind of life, that strength of life, that force of life. He says, here, get nourished on it. Have it for breakfast. The breakfast of champions. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Jesus was impacted with the fullness of darkness. I was thinking about that. The, the full, not just our sins, the sins of all humanity ever, but the, and the fullness of the curse, but also all of the rage and taunts of the enemy. 
went on him. The fullness of deception. Every dark thing of the enemy. He went to hell. He was in it. The fullness of every dark thing the enemy could do. And when he came up out of that, he came up in perfect, holy righteousness and in complete purity. And that's the life he gives his sons and daughters. And it's time for that veil of shame to come off of us. It's time for us to start radiating this life that's in us. It's time for the unveiling of sons and daughters. No more low-level living. It's There's a higher life. This is what he serves at the table. This is the life he feeds us. This is why we come to the table daily. We get those second heaven atmospheres getting on us all the time. You know what I mean by second heaven atmospheres? You know, the first heaven is just go outside and look at the sky. You know, it's the sun. Well, it's probably the moon now. That's first heaven. And second heaven is where angels and demons are battling it out. It's where all the warfare is at second heaven. Demons against angels. And intercessors get to determine who wins those battles. If there's intercessions and decrees, and we're the agreement of God in the earth, and we're speaking the decrees of the Lord, angels hearken unto the voice of the Lord. They're like, oh, I recognize that voice coming out of this man. That's the voice of the Lord. So angels are activated, and, and battles shift in the second heaven. But we're not supposed to fight from the second heaven. We affect the second heaven. I'm not supposed to teach on prayer right now. I'm getting off my message. We go up to the third heaven where there's a door standing open and a voice saying, come up here. And we go into the throne room, which is really the prayer room, which is the governmental center of the earth. And Jesus is on the throne and he decides he's going to rule the planet while he's surrounded with worship and intercession. And so we get up there and we hear his intercession we hear the decree of the Lord and we echo it down here and we blast open the second heaven. We bring heaven to earth. Let your kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven. So we got to get up there to get it so we can bring it down because we have dual citizenship. We're seated in heavenly places and where we put our feet, we have the land. Okay, this is, I should not be teaching on intercession right now. So, but the problem is that, so the we, second heaven is where the prince of the air, he has authority that's been illegally given to him. And he tries to illegally legislate from the second heaven. And there's nothing in his nature that will voluntarily surrender. We have to put our foot on his throat and kill him. We need a huge, huger, huger, bigger, huger, a lot more authority and power, which we can't get until we're unveiled as sons and daughters. But anyway, 
that second heaven stuff, slumber, headache, sickness, dejection, intimidation, worry, fear, shame, um, I'll never be good, I won't qualify. That's all second heaven crap. Get a resurrection. Get up. Higher. We don't have to stay under the second heaven crap. We come up out of it. We're resurrected up through it. I, oh, I was dealing with dear friends of mine, but they're just in a mess. Their marriage is a mess. Their finances are a mess. And you talk to one, and it's all the other ones, this and this, and then they talk to that one, and it's all this one's this and this. And they're actually both very accurate about each other. <laughs> they're both kind of a mess. I'm like, get up! <laughs> higher! <laughs> There's a higher level of life. Stop battling it out here. Stop being in all this worry about your need. Do you know how much riches is up here? You guys need a resurrection. And you really are going to need one because I'm about to kill you. <laughs> I am not a pastor. I am not mercy. I'm prophetic. Sure. <laughs> Oh, God. Help. Pray. Our prayer room needs a pastor. <laughs> we don't have a pastor. Well, we do. You're, you're pastoral. She, she gets bombarded because she's pastoral. That's why I brought her on the trip with me. <laughs> but the point is that second heaven stuff comes on us all the time. But we can come up out of it. Jesus did. He descended into the pit of hell. What was the force that pulled him up out of that death realm? What was that power of the right hand of God? How much power is that? God's a spirit, right? He's a father, but he's a spirit. And the, he, as a spirit, has a force that pulled Jesus up out of that death realm into glory. It's called the spirit of resurrection. Romans 8 says you have the spirit of resurrection in you. The same spirit that raised, got him up out of that mess is actually in you. My dear friends whose marriage, there's a spirit of resurrection that can pull their marriage up out of that mess that it's in. Oh, Jesus. This is amazing. And we don't live, we just barely tap the surface. We could just go into this. Our, our, our lives could be so different. 
that spirit of resurrection can come every time we're down, we're depressed, we're worried, we're fearful, we're whatever. The spirit of resurrection can come get us up out of that, and that's called the ascended life. Shoot up out of that death realm. Latch on to the reality of his life. Connect with him. Embrace him. Get in union with him. Fix your gaze. How many times in, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels, Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven? What was he doing? Fixing his gaze. He was latching on to that higher reality. And then miracles happened. Outpouring came. That's what we get to do. Focus on that higher life that's available. I'm going to read this. Uh, I just want to read that instead of just telling you about it. I just want to read that verse from Romans. It says, now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body might have some death in it because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you're fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life and God's spirit of resurrection lives in you. And he will raise your dying body to life by the same spirit of resurrection that breathes life into you. That's the word of God. It's so good. Last summer, we were um, having a, uh, we took one of our prayer slots. We took it outside. We were um, praying for the city. We, our city was founded um, at where the Root River comes into Racine. And there's this big observation point. It's right on the lake, on Lake Michigan. And so we climbed this big observation tower, and we had our slot there to just because you can look at the whole city and just so we just were worshiping over the city and um there's only like five or six of us and um and i'm just minding my own business you know worshiping and trying to like you know do the slot and one minute i'm standing there worshiping and the next minute i'm back in israel where you go and visit the garden tomb that's empty Anybody been to Israel and or seen pictures and you step inside that garden tomb? It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty empty. <laughs> so I'm like in the empty team. Uh, a tomb. All of a sudden I'm like, uh, you know, praying for the city on this. And then I'm like in this, in this tomb. And I'm like, what, what's happening right now? And I had this kind of experience. I'm, I'm standing in the tomb. And Jesus, in, in this experience I was having, in this vision, Jesus had just come up out of the grave. But he hadn't left the tomb yet. It was like that split second. I don't know how it actually happened, you know? I don't think he hung, well, he folded up the thing. I don't know. Maybe an angel folded that thing up. I don't know. It was very neat. It's a good guy. <laughs> but he, he was risen. He was up out of death and he was just about to shoot out. And he hadn't done it yet. And I, and I, I opened my I'm like looking like, wow, that was unusual. And as I opened my eyes and looked, 
I saw that I saw him ready to come out of the tomb. I saw him in Sean's belly like that. I looked over at Donna and I saw him in her belly, like ready to shoot out. I looked at every member of the team and they all had Jesus ready to shoot. I'm like, what is happening? And he said, the spirit of resurrection, it lives in you. I'm about to shoot out of my sons and daughters with glory, resurrection, life. It's going to shoot out of you because the spirit of the resurrection lives in you. Whoa. Man, we released that into our city. It was crazy. <sighs> so I'm going to close with this. I... Um, I just want you to just tuck in with Jesus. When I, when I was praying about this, um, Marvin said, you know, we just want to give God time to minister to us. And so these, my last closing little minutes here, I just, what I, I said, okay, Jesus, what do you want to do in my session? And I saw him taking that bread that came out of his body, that fluffy substance that came out of every place he was torn and wounded out of his sacrificed body. I saw him take that fluffy bread and he started stuffing it into the cracks that are in our souls. I saw him take the bread of life out of his own body and put it in the fractures and crevices and wounds we have in our souls. So I'm going to ask him to do that right now. Let's just ask him to do it. Jesus, you're the bread of life. Jesus, you are life. You are the substance of resurrected glory, life. And I ask you to come and move through this room right now by faith and touch places in us with your life. Come and put that fluffy, white substance of your resurrected glory life, put it in my soul, Jesus. Put it in my mind. Put it in my will. My will, when I choose, when I make decisions, whether I'm going to live for you or live for me, stuff my will with the life that you have. How you do everything to please your Father. Stuff it in me. Put it in my emotions. Put it in my past. Fractures that I still carry around because of past trauma where Sin and hurt and pain has hit me and it's caused a crack. Stuff your life in there, Jesus. Stuff your life in my relationships. Relational, loving, stuff it in my marriage. Where our marriage isn't totally whole and healed. Where our marriage, where we're not the two becoming one, where there's a split and a fraction. Shove that life in there, God. Heal marriages. Heal friendships. Release the substance. 
of resurrected glory life. And even touch our bodies, God. Chronic stuff that hasn't broken yet. Diabetes. Things that are caused, autoimmune, things that are caused by us fighting ourselves, self hatred, self rejection. Come and put the bread of your life, that fluffy white substance. It's so full of power. It overcame every dark thing of the curse, it overcame every sin known to the human race. The weight of everyone's sin, the life that's in that bread is stronger and greater and more powerful. And you give me this to eat. And I take you by faith. And I will carry you well. And love you, Jesus. Come and nourish us, God, every day at this table. Come fill us. I pray this body here in Indianapolis would just be so filled with the glory of Jesus. The power of life over death. It'll reside in this region. Thank you, Jesus, for our time with you at the table this weekend. Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you would seal everything that is transacted from the moment we started at 7 p.m. yesterday till right at that moment. Carolyn said, Amen. Lord, we pray for the spirit of resurrection to rest on us, even as we sleep tonight, that our bodies would be restored. I just feel like I want to close with this. <clears throat> My uh, dear friend Rick, who pastors Mount Comfort Vineyard, many of you guys know him, he's probably the best counselor in this area. He was uh, sharing something with Sally and I a couple weeks ago, but he said um, he had this encounter with the Lord where he gave the Lord permission that uh, when any time he was unconscious, which really means asleep, um, anytime he's unconscious, the Lord has full authority and permission to um, Come and take out anything that is not of him while he's sleeping, number one. Number two, the Lord has full, full permission. Then he said the Lord in the angelic realm, whoever the Lord wants to send, has full permission to come and put in anything he didn't receive that he should have by this abnormal life we've had. And then third is the Lord can come and tweak with anything, anything that's uh, 
miswired, not wired rightly. The Lord can come in and rewire, have permission to rewire anything. And so Sally and I have been doing this every night as we go to bed. Lord, you have permission to do those three things and anything else I'm forgetting that would be amazing for my sleep. And so uh, let's just do that. Can we do that as a family to close out our time? So Lord, as we get ready to go from this place, and many of us are, have to get up early for uh, church tomorrow, I just pray, Lord, we, Lord, this indie Revival family, this regional family, we make a covenant with you that when we are unconscious, Lord, we give you permission to do this thing Carolyn was calling the ascended life. Lord, while we sleep, even tonight, we give you permission. Would you come and take out anything that is not of you, the blind spots we can't see? Lord, would you come and put into us things we don't even know we need, but we need them? Lord, things we should have gotten from our mother or our father. Lord, had that curse not happened. Lord, we pray, we ask that anything that is uh, not wired up rightly, that's causing short-circuiting in body, soul, the body or the soul realm, to be rewired in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just, man, when these guys come back a year from now, Lord, when Robbie, Carolyn, Tom come again for Presence 5, I already know what the theme is. He's been saying it to me from the moment we started last night. Next year, it's so it's, it's never happened to me before. But he said it's grace upon grace. It's presence V. It's presence five. Next year is grace upon grace. Really upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. It's five. Five's the number of grace. So, Lord, I pray when these guys come next year, they would see a glorified people in this region. They would see a healthy people in this region. They would see healthy family living normal Christianity, the ascended life in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.